So now that we're good friends and yeah. we've hung out and um, I want to say, uh, what the hell did you mean? And tell me now. <laughs> oh, you want me to spill the secrets? Kia ora, welcome to the Invisible Sensei podcast. Karate, kubudo, judo, jujitsu, whatever the style of preference, we all have our own stories and experiences. We are all our own Invisible Sensei. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And again, thanks for taking time to listen. Part of the thing with Apex is we want to do good karate. So I want, we are going to do karate that is not exaggerated for competition. So, and I want to go back to, first of all, what you said about if Miyagi sensei could see you doing your karate. And that for me has, uh, is exactly it. Again, you know, to reference, uh, uh, karate masters interview, uh, Sakamoto Sensei of Duedu did one uh, last year, I believe it was released with with uh, Chris Wilson, and he talked about the difference between preserving karate and um, mastering, or uh, I'm sorry, and advancing it or progressing it. Progression versus preservation. What we see a lot is these people who will imitate their senseis exactly as they are you know, they could be a 25 or a 30 year old and their sensei is in their 60s or 70s or even 80s. And that 30 year old's karate looks like the 80 year old's karate. So, and there's no reason for that, right? An 80 year old, yeah, maybe they can't do my giddy very well because they have a hip or knee problem and they can, maybe they can barely walk, right? But that's not a reason why the 30 year old, the younger student, can't have a full range of motion and kick properly. Like they were actually in going to kick a person and, and put them down with that, that my giddy. So, but what's fueled me is, and so the, the, to tie that back in, sorry, the progression is even my sensei, if you look at my sensei's karate to his sensei's karate and the, the sensei before, there's been a, a progression of movement, a research. Even my sensei's karate has changed in the 20 years that, I've known him, some of the movements, the concepts that he's brought in. And he often gets criticized by other people for, well, you know, they're always changing their karate. Well, yes, but it's not changing the karate. It's how the karate is being done. Like the moves of the kata are still the same. It's the in-between movements. So that idea has kind of been with me, first of all. Um, but like you, I'm closer to the 50 side than to the 40 side. And so with that, uh, my back hurts, my knees hurt. And so I've had to look at how the body works. Your knees are only meant to go in certain directions. Your feet are only meant to really go in certain directions. And when we try and, you know, part of that, the reason, you know, the Nekwashtachi video that you referenced, because my knees hurt. And when I realized that I was doing Nekwashtachi the way I was taught or shown was making my knee and my foot go in different directions and 
they're not meant to go in different directions. They need to go in the same direction. Yes, they have turn and flex and whatnot, but they're not meant to do that on a regular basis over and over again for 30 years. And so that combined with uh, other training that I've received through a variety of different places has um, brought an awareness on efficiency. When you, one thing that happens for karate people, and it, it happens for other disciplines as well, is we begin to only look, be able to look at our sport, our art, our activity through the lens of our activity. But if we take it out, and I'm not saying change it, but if, we're, if we look through it through the lens of another activity or another dynamic, we can see how uh, some of those drills or some of those activities may not be the best way to do it biomechanically speaking. We do it the way we do it because that's the way we've always done it. And so if you really step back and you really look at some of these things and a, a, a boxer, you know, we talk about uh, distance and timing, right? Those would be very important for karate, boxing, other combat arts, distance, timing. But then when we do our kihon, we throw all of that out the window. And why do we do that? Because that's the way we've always done it. And so those ideas, um, like, and, and, and a big one, like I mentioned, referenced briefly is efficiency. Um, because in uh, other things, uh, other training that I've had, there's, there's, a, there's a, you know, for example, uh, you know, I, I, I've done in, in, in my time, I've, I've, I've done some, some shooting before. I don't know if you're, 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 you're a shooter or whatnot, but, you know, if you take an average, for example, an, a nine millimeter round goes approximately, you know, a thousand meters a second, just on average, right? So you don't have a lot of time to figure out, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're not moving efficiently and you're not doing whatever, that, that time can, can, can uh, go very quickly. And so you want to apply those things, you know, those concepts uh, have been able to influence my mindset as I approach karate. Well, why are we doing these things that are inefficient? And so, and I, and I, and I harp on it more in my, actually my basic class, than even my elite athletes, because we talk more about the application. You know, I, I always discuss bunkai with my athletes, but we don't actually train it a whole lot because it's not it's not germane to what they're trying to do. I explain what the bunkai is or how we're doing it. I may show it, but it's not something that we're going to drill very often. But I do speak a lot more about it, even when we're doing a, a basic kata like fukugata ichi or fukugata ni right to our basic students this is what this technique is and why we want to focus on that efficiency is because in the dojo we want to make it as perfect as possible because when we go out on the street or if something happens or we have to use this it's going to be ugly so we want to make it as less ugly as possible if i can learn how to use my body better if i have better self-awareness of what my body's doing what my back is doing how my shoulders are moving maybe I can, if I've trained well, I can, it will be slightly less ugly in the situation that I have to actually do this bunkai. So the other thing is, is because I need, you know, I'm at, you know, closer to 50 than to 40, like I said, 
And I still want to be able to do karate when I'm 80. And I need my knees and my back to last that long. And so I need to have good structure. I need to have good efficient movements that aren't wasting energy or using the body improperly. And even now that's still a journey for me, learning how to do it. And you, you know, referenced my, my MyGetty video, I'm gonna make another one this weekend based on something that has come up several times in both with my athletes as well as my basic students. Why are, why are we having difficulty kicking Chudan? And, uh, and it made me think about, well, maybe we're using our muscles differently or we're thinking about different things. And so I'm gonna make a, a short another video on that uh, probably later today or tomorrow. Oh, well, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be checking that out. And then what I'll do is, what I do with many, many of your videos is I will steal as much as possible, rebrand it and teach it in the class like it's my own Absolutely. Wow. I want to ask you in terms of, I guess your approach, one of the things that I really appreciate is that the way in which you articulate and put your videos and so on together very easy to follow and they're very applicable if you get a chance guys to, to do check them out I, I again i know i'm kind of it is a shameless plug but i've gotten a lot of really good stuff out of it what were you going to say brother well i wanted to tie in with that and thank you very much for saying that because while apex karate performance in and of itself is designed to help train athletes in a competitive environment Again, like I said, my goal is to do good karate and they're going to win with good karate. But everything that I put out, everything that I say to them, other than maybe specific individual things, I try to gear towards any karate person or anybody should be able to apply it to their karate. I also try to avoid, for the most part, style-specific things. You know, Shotokan and Goju-ryu are very, very different, both great. Um, but if I'm going to talk about a stance or a movement that's in Shotokan, that's not necessarily applicable to Goju, I might lose that Goju person, right? They might be like, oh, this doesn't apply to me and just tune it out, not pay attention. So I try to focus on less style specific things, but things that can be applied to everybody, no matter what your karate emphasis is. I mean, if you're a WKF competitor, great. If you're uh a uh, traditional karate person, great. If you like um, practical bunkai, right? My favorite, my practical bunkai, if that's your thing, you should still be able to get something out of the videos that I'm teaching because it's, 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 that, it's about how to move the body better. It's how to do things. And part of that is, again, we're, we're taught, again, I think it goes back to this, this lack of individual instruction, but group classes, we're taught punching and kicking, right? That's karate, punching and kicking. And so everybody thinks it's their hands and their, and their feet, but it's not actually their hands and their feet. It's, you know, how to move the body, how, how to use the body better. Because guess what? If I, my hand, if, my, if I move my body, my hand's got to come with it because it's, you know, attached at the shoulder. You know, rugby is a big sport in New Zealand. As you, it's probably like, a football, like football in the States. You know, New Zealand is well known as a, as a rugby nation. Big Polynesian boys tend to play big Polynesian oh, yeah. sports. So... For me, I'm a big Polynesian guy who actually didn't really like big playing rugby and all those sort of things, to be totally honest with you. Um, but, you know, love pushing weights and all that sort of stuff and training. And it's interesting to me because um, I do, I really like compound lifts. Like I love 
deadlifts and bench and all those sort of things. I've got a, ne a bad meniscus, so I can't squat as much as I'd like to or as much as I'd, I used to. Um, and I guess there's a certain amount of ego there for me as well. But what is part and parcel of my training now that wasn't 40 years ago, 50 years ago, is a really, really good warm-up where oh. I'm thinking about core temperature. Um, I was in the gym a, a while ago and I had the Swiss ball out and I was just doing some core work. And I remember there was these young guys and it was kind of ironic because I would have been one of these young guys 20, 30 years ago. And it's sort of laughing at the old guy who's rolling on the ball. The rest of them are yeah. doing the bench and how much you bench and all the rest of that. And it's funny because I, I sort of think, you know, boys, you're going to miss your knees when they're gone. You're going to miss your knees when they're gone and your back and your hips and all these sort of things. Do you think that from your experience in working with these athletes, and these athletes, these karateka, do you think the trend is is changing in terms of longevity in karate? Because you know, we both talk, we've we've talked about coming up in a class full of people, and maybe the the faces change over time, but most of the time they kind of disappear for injuries, for life, and all those sort of things. Things happen. What are your thoughts? Well, that's a tough one. I'd say that. Yes and no. If, if when they grow up when they, or when they're in their karate journey, part of it depends on when they, when they started. But if competition is the primary driver in their karate, the odds are of them sticking around afterwards, after their competition time is over, are less much less if they're doing karate because they love karate and and i used to joke uh, i mean I, I you know i i wasn't i just found out about for example like jesse Encamp just a couple years ago um i i don't know i was not paying attention to karate on youtube until four or five years ago but i joke that i was a karate nerd before it was cool to be a karate nerd You know, I, I, I did a, I did a, a Thursday thoughts on my favorite karate book, right? Uh, my favorite karate book, I first read 25 years ago, maybe. And it wasn't really about the training. It was about just this guy's experience living in Japan and training karate also. And, and it's, it stuck with me because I could relate to that. What was and the so name of it? That was the uh, Immovable Zen. That is fantastic. Or move, moving Zen, sorry. That, that, moving that, Zen. That moving gentleman Zen just by passed. Nicole. He just yes. passed away in the last short while, actually, in the last couple yes. of years. A great book. Yes. Totally agree. Sorry. Yes. Please continue. Yes, moving Zen. So, if, for example, one of my athletes has a karate library, one of my, he's my, actually, not just my athlete. So, and I, and I have to clarify real quick I have athletes who I train who are not my students. They belong to other dojos and their senseis basically just let me train them for competition. Um, and then I have you know, students who are my personal students who also do, you know, we're teaching you money to you and things like that. So I have one of my students has a library and he's 19 now, I think, has a karate library at 19 that rivals mine. And he has books in there that I actually want to steal from him that uh, are now out of print 
and you know he got from his sensei his previous sensei who passed away and then i you know we started training together and then he became my student but um he's a karate nerd also the flip side of that is i have other athletes and other students who have never never read a karate book and don't know the history of karate very well other than what they were forced to remember in the dojo or whatever and so and that's not that's fine that's their you know the, the, their interest lies other places you know the the, the the because does it matter when i'm punching and kicking does it matter realistically speaking if i'm doing you know pinan shodan or basai dai or whatever does it matter where that kata came from does it matter what itosu sensei changed in it is it relevant to them in their position in 2021 not really you know so their their goal is is different so if if you can get them interested in karate as an activity and want to learn about karate, the likelihood of them maintaining longevity in karate is much longer. If they, be, if they become athletes and they're only doing competition, I think it's harder for them to, or the likelihood of them maintaining it throughout their life may be less um, because you know injury happens, they go from high school to college and it's, you know, I, I'm seeing it with, you know, three of my athletes right now, they're all 18, 19, 20 years old and juggling college, especially now in the United States where they're doing online classes. And so it's this, this whole big shuffle and juggle of trying to maintain life, you know, while they're doing it, it becomes much more difficult. Um, so, but even, even in my karate club, of the ones that I maintain contact with, you know, there were 15, 20 of us. And I think two or three of us are still doing karate 20 years later. And so if that hook gets set, right, if that fish hook gets set in their mouth and they become, you know, almost addicted, if you will, or if they figure out what that draw is outside of the competitive arena, or, you know, they like to karate for karate's sake, the, the likelihood of them sticking with it, I think, is much longer or much higher. Sorry. Yeah. Longevity is always an interesting question. I think as you move on and, you know, in your training and in your training life. So. But actually, can I, can before you, so even myself, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I stepped away from karate for a little while. Life happened. Uh, I, I, there were, there were some couple of, couple of things that, that happened, situations, work, family, uh, moving. Uh, and I actually stepped away from formal dojo karate training for, for a number of years. I was doing some other training, you know, uh, outside of that, but, uh, you know, sometimes life just happens in, in that, that dojo environment. Uh, you get separated from that. And then, you know, there was like, oh, I knew that, but because like I said, I was a karate nerd before it was cool to be a karate nerd. There was always that hook. And then there was a couple of, a couple of things that began to happen that were like, you know what, why am I not back doing this again? Let me get back to, you know, you know, man, it's been a little while since I picked up my bow. I need to go swing my bow or, you know, you know, let me, I need to get back doing this, um, you know, more formally, if you will. Um, but it was because of that initial hook was set. And so it, it's, it's, it's there. It's easier to, to draw that back in. Uh, Lauren Hill, Lauren Hill song. 
from the from the 90s in which she talks about everything is everything and i think it applies here when you're talking about you know a life experience and it's not about bringing your art into your life sometimes it's about bringing your life into your art in terms of your upbringing, in terms of where you're coming from, I mean, you've trained with top Okinawan and Japanese sensei. You speak the language. Um, you know, you've lived in Asia. You have, we're obviously going to have an appreciation for the culture that perhaps the rest of us in living outside of Okinawa, Japan, China, and so on don't have. What would you say you are bringing, you bring to the table as Michael Hagen coming from where you come from, the upbringing that you've had and so on and so forth. And then I'm talking about, I'm not talking about your, um, for want of a better word, your impression, your, your Japanese or Okinawan impression. I'm talking about what do, you, what do you think you bring to the table in terms of just as a person, as an instructor and as a student? Ooh, oh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, Like I said, my karate has changed over time, or my approach to karate, if you will, based on my understanding of it. And in many ways, it's been within the last handful of years that I've been able to tie some of these things together. And so that awareness, what I try to bring to my athletes and my students is that awareness of uh, yourself, what you're doing, and why you're doing it. You know, we can we can call count in the dojo all day long, you know, back and forth, up and down the floor, kihon, right? Kata, one, two, three, four, five. But I want them to understand the why. And so. What I in, in my mind, and so again, the dichotomy, right? I coach athletes to compete in WKF environments. And, and specifically, I'm, I, I coach them mostly for kata. I have never been a, a kumite guy, right? I, um, I, I leave that to, to, to my friend to, to, to do. Um, but it's important for me to understand for them to understand why we're doing what we're doing. So one phrase that uh, Oshiro Sensei said to me, and I found it written on a piece of paper from a note that I'd made in 2001. He said, original karate was the same as traditional Japanese bujutsu. He didn't say budo, he didn't say Kent like Kendo or Aikido or Judo. He said Bujutsu. And there's a differentiation there. And based on things that, that I've experienced or, or, or done in other training that I've had and whatnot, it took me, it only took me, I mean, I understood the words that he was saying then, but I didn't really understand how that meant or what it meant for about 20 years. 18 years, right? Um, but when I did, now I can look at it and be like, oh, I get it. That's why he said this. That's why we move this way. That's why we do this. 
And part of that, and maybe I would have understood, you know, over time and, and whatnot, but I think even more than my karate training, it was things, life experience that happened in other places that were able to bring that out. And that's what I, I, I try to bring is the why we are doing it this way. Not just do it because I said so, or because my sensei said so, or because his sensei said so. Back to you know, they came the you know the 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 scrolls came down from the secret mountain training camp or whatever the temple at the top of the mountain. Yeah, they didn't why date. they didn't date? And play your cards right, and I may share them with you. I I can't guarantee the chick has included you, so we need yeah. to. <laughs> we good, we good. Yeah. Um, so that yeah. Please, please. No, no, no. So, but it's just the why. That's what I try to bring is why we are doing it this way, why the body should move this way. Um, you know, in, you know, and we talk about bunkai and practical applications or getting in an altercation on the street. And we hope that that never happens. But the why to me is, is what's important. And I try to bring that to both my athletes and my regular non-competition students. Lastly, as we finish and I'm realizing the, you know, we've, we haven't really even scratched the surface and I'd like to, you know, do more of this because I think it's really important. Yeah. A while back I asked you your advice on a kata that I wanted to do, just in kata in general. And you said to me, stop trying to do the kata. Mm. So now that we're good friends and yeah. we've hung out and um, I want to say, uh, what the hell did you mean? And tell me now. <laughs> oh, you want me to spill the secrets? Okay. So, and, and let's go back to kind of what I referenced earlier about dojo training. We get, again, to use your phrase, the Pavlovian, Pavlovian response. Right? When, when sensei says, you know, counts each knee son, I'm supposed to do this, this, and this, and this. And that's the way people train karate. But what's also going on is they're actually not engaged in what they're doing when that's going on. Sensei says, when he counts, I'm supposed to you know, punch four times, turn around or punch five times, turn around, block, get on but and then we're gonna do five, five more times back. So I just do that. And my body just does what I've done for however long I've been doing karate. If you've been doing karate for 10 years, however your body moves, that's just what you do. And that's fine when you're just doing what you're wanting to do. But if you want to make changes, that's where the difficult, that's where the, 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 the whole conversation has to change. If you want to improve whatever that means for you in your specific situation, your technique, or you want to change a technique or change how your body does a technique, you actually have to stop doing it. Because if you do it without thinking about it, you're just going to do what you've always done for the last 10 years. And you actually have to start thinking about doing it. That doesn't necessarily mean that you actually have to physically do it. You have to start thinking about how to do it. 